Good morning. One of the scripture passages that we'll be working through today is from Psalm 46, which speaks profound words. It says, be still and know that I am God. The very first word, be, is what we're talking about today, to be still and know that I'm God. And that's a beautiful, comforting verse. And it's even more beautiful when we really understand um, what the original Hebrew word for be still is. It's one word instead of two. It's rafa. And we know that it means this, to be relaxed. Or slacken, to, to let go of your grip, God says. Don't hold on to me because I'm holding on to you. You've got it wrong when you think that you're holding on to me. I'm the one holding on to you. It also means, listen to this, not making an effort, to not put forth any exertion, to leave matters with God, to be without anxiety over the issue. That sounds like good news to me. That probably sounds like good news to you. Anxious, effort, striving, trying. Relax and be with him. As has been mentioned several times, we're in our sermon series called Red Letter Challenge. Thank you for picking up over 800 books and for digging in. As George said, today is number six. And this week we're focusing on being. Now we're going to dig into that. It's subtle, it's nuanced, it's layered, but it's beautiful. And there's great wisdom and encouragement for us from God's word in this idea of being. So let's come together in prayer. Father, oh, to be with you. And we are. Um, it doesn't take us trying or doing or putting forth effort. We can relax and, and really loosen what we have fooled ourselves into thinking is our grip on you because you have us. Let us learn from that well today. We pray this in Jesus' name and together we all say amen. Well, number one for us to think about today is that being a disciple of Jesus means being with him. And that sounds like, wow, you're... That way. You didn't put much effort into that one. And you're playing games with words here. But, but here's where we're going. Being a disciple of Jesus <clears throat> means being with him. <clears throat> Psalm 46 that I just spoke of. Be still and know that I'm God. I will be exalted among the na nations. <clears throat> I will be exalted in the earth. Listen, the Lord Almighty is with us. <clears throat> the God of Jacob is our fortress. And that last part, God of Jacob, Jacob is our fortress. He is um, protecting us. He is keeping us safe. He is keeping us within himself. Our being flows out of who we are when we spend time with Christ. That's a profound point. Our being flows out of who we are when we spend time with Christ. One of the pastors I was reading this, uh, this week, his name is Robert, and he said when he was five... He and his family were headed over to grandma's and grandpa's house, and it was a little different this time. Before they left, mom gathered the kids and said, listen, you kids, grandpa's older now. He's, he's got arthritis, and you can't wrestle with him like you used to. You, you can't push him around, and you can't even really hug him. You can't even really touch him. So when we get to grandma and grandpa's house, go up to him, tell him you love him, uh, show respect, look him in the eye, but you really, really can't even touch him. So they're in the car driving to grandma and grandpa's house. And again, mom turns around and with the pointy finger this time says, kids, remember what I said? You just can't touch him. I know you want to, but, but don't touch him. It, the arthritis hurts too much. And now they're in the driveway and the car doors are about to open. And she turns around a third time. Remember what I told you? There's, there's no touching grandpa. You can be by him, but just don't touch him. Well, the car doors fly open and the kids run in. <laughs> and this pastor jumps right up onto grandpa's lap. And mom comes over to him and says, Robert, what did I tell you? And grandpa says, where else is he supposed to be? Now God says that to us. We don't have these admonitions about not coming close to him or not touching him because it might hurt him. But we have this holy reverence, and we ought to because God is enormous. He's different than us. He is holy. He's off the charts. 
Yet he still invites us to come up and run up to him and jump in his lap because after all, where in the world should we be? It's clear again and again and again in Scripture that God wants to be with us. John 14, 23, Jesus says, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them. And look here. We will come to them and make our home with them. God wants to be with us. Revelation 21, from the very end of the Bible, John says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. It's beautiful. One more from the book of Acts, and this one for me at least speaks even more clear the idea of what it means to be with God. Luke says, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. He himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. And then this last sentence, for in him we live and move and have our being. In him we live and move and we have our being. Being The idea of being means to be in him and with him. We live and move and have our being. This is an identifier. God says, you are mine, and in me, your existence actually is, is with me, the essence of it. One commentator says that our continued existence is owed to God, that we live at all is his gift, that we have power to move is his gift, and our continued and prolonged existence is his gift. So number two for us to think about today is that being a disciple of Jesus means doing with him. This is a natural outflowing of being with him. And, I, and I'll, um, I'll talk about the differences between the two here in a second. But let's start here, Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared us in advance to do. So we've all been called into service to do God things, but we do God things out of joy. And here's the difference. What is our motivation? We do things because we've been changed. We do things because we are now being with him. We are beings who be with God, so we do God things. It is not out of a motivation that if we are good enough, if I just try hard enough, if I just keep enough of the commandments and all that stuff, he will like me and invite me in. And we know clearly from the law that none of us can be good enough to be in. So God had to do for us through Christ, and because of that, you have been changed. The book of Ezekiel says you have a new heart. He's replaced your heart of wood, a dead heart, with a living heart of flesh. It's beautiful and lovely and loving and godly. And because of that, because we're different people, now we do. You were changed at your redemption. God's spirit lives you, and you live a different kind of life. And now you're thinking, Oh no, my life doesn't look much different from people who aren't Christians. My life doesn't look much different from before I met Jesus. And the author of the curriculum that we're using, this Red Letter Challenge, would say this, you don't have a doing problem. You have a being problem. And I know there's a subtle nuanced difference there, but think about that. He says living a Christian life is not dependent on effort. If you think you're having a doing problem, the author says, my bet is you haven't been with him like you should. If you think you have a doing problem, the author says, my bet is you haven't been with him like you should. So so for my mind, at least from a biblical perspective, it works out this way. Putting to death the works of the flesh. 
And there's scripture that talks about this, and we'll unpack this, Colossians 3, 5. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. We get more help on this from Romans 8, 13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if, the spirit, uh, but if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. So picture it this way. You have two fires in your life, two campfires, and whichever one you feed will live. If it's the works of the flesh, if you keep putting logs on that one, it will burn bright and continue to live and be alive. If you have sexual desire for people who aren't your spouses and use pornography and abuse alcohol and you're hateful and mean and um, a liar and a cheat and uh, someone who doesn't honor your parents and you're an idol creator and all these things, you're putting log after log on this fire of the flesh, and it leads to death. But if you feed the fire of the Spirit, and because you are with God, because your being is one of His, those are your thoughts, righteousness and virtue and beauty and kindness and selflessness and generosity. You feed the fire of the Spirit, and that one now grows hot and large, and that dominates your life. And no, you know what? As you continue to uh, let that other fire of the flesh die, it eventually grows smaller and, and eventually dwindles out and becomes cold. So as we're talking through this, let's get to the, the, the point of where we're really empowered to do this. We talked about being, and we talked about how doing grows out of being, and I think it'll become more clear with point number three, that being a disciple of Jesus means treasuring him. This is all made possible by the fact that we treasure him. What are the priorities in your life? I hope Christ is the first. He's got to be. Jesus tells two very short parables, back to back, about this idea of treasuring him. From Matthew 13, Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in great joy sold everything he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls, when he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had, and he bought it. This idea of treasuring Jesus. Why would we treasure him so much? Because of who he is? Because he's what, what he's done for us? Because of the mess we found ourselves in before he rescued us? Um, the author of this um, Red Letter Challenge gives us many ways to treasure Christ, and one of them is to come to worship regularly. Thank you for joining us here in this room. Thanks for joining us online. Thanks for watching this later in a recorded version. COVID has made this hard, right? Worshiping together, the fellowship, the importance. Come together. Don't schedule church around other things. Schedule other things around church. That is a way of treasuring him. Lord, you're number one. Man, that hour and 15 minutes on Sunday morning, or that's most important. I give you that. Another way to treasure Christ is to read his Bible. We say it around here a lot because it's that important. Get in his word. It's not um, hyperbole or metaphor or exaggeration to say that when we read the Bible or hear the preaching of the word or take it in in some way, we are literally, not figuratively, but we are literally taking Jesus into our lives. In a mysterious way, Jesus is the logos. He is the word of God. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, okay. But it's true. When we take God's word into our life, we are literally taking Jesus into our life. We can treasure God by joining a small group. Thank you. So many of you have joined small groups. Many of you already were. They're meeting. They're together. They're loving each other. They're in his word. They're encouraging. We had a woman come back to our small group uh, that meets on Monday nights after a couple years of being away. And she said, I had to come back because I missed the love, the support, the encouragement, and the laughter. 
guys need some of that? I do. Love and support and encouragement. And man, we laugh a lot. It's not perfect. We're all a bunch of sinners getting around God's word and loving each other. But join a small group. You can treasure God that way. Pray. Spend time in prayer. Be with him. If you don't pray this week, 60 seconds every morning, just a minute, pray. Talk to him. Thank him for the day and what you're going to be doing and ask him for things and spend some time in worship. And if those 60-second increments of prayer work well this week, next week do two minutes. See how that goes and spend more time. I'm not here to say um, if, you, if you pray 20 minutes or more a day, you're on the good team. And if you don't, you're not. But we're talking about being, and one of the ways to be with him, one of the ways to treasure him is to be with him in, in prayer. How about worshiping on your own? Spend time with him worshiping on your own. Put on Christian music in the cars you're driving and sing along and worship and enjoy his presence. How about listening to a Bible-based or Christian podcast, worshiping that way? Luther says, Martin Luther says, you can worship just about any way. It's really about attitude and focus. While you're taking out the garbage and cutting the grass and doing your things, that still can be an act of worship. Would you treasure him by worshiping him? How about taking a Sabbath? Take a rest. God's ratio is one, to, one out of seven, right? Six days of work, one day of rest. We ought to. It's, it's a commandment. <laughs> it's got to be for our good. That's a way to be with him. That's a way to treasure him. And trust that God will do in your life in six days what you think will take seven days of effort to do. He will. Take a Sabbath. You can treasure God by fasting. Don't talk about it a lot around here. We probably ought to. I used to fast a lot. I don't anymore, and I can't really remember why I stopped. <laughs> so go, go without a meal. Go a day without eating. Go three days. There, there are a lot, we won't spend time here, but there are lots of resources of reasons why and how to fast. Treasure him by fasting. So we're here, and it looks, you're saying, Pastor Mark, it looks like you just gave me a list of things to do. And I thought we were talking about being. And here's the subtle touch on this. It's not really an actually, a, it's not actually a list of things to do. It's a, a list of ways to be. And I'm not playing games with words here. It really is. It really is a shift in my thinking of this is not a list of things to do. It's a list of ways to be. And, and if we look at it that way, I think we're looking at, at it correctly. Every day this week, I'm going to pray it. Lord, help me to treasure you more. I have to admit, God, I let things get into my life that seem to be more important than you. Help me to treasure you more. You are my all in all. And that takes us to point number four. Being a disciple of Jesus means receiving from him. That's what we talked about right at the beginning. Be still and know that I'm God. It's just God being God to us. It's being with him, receiving. That's the Christian life. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, really famous passages from the New Testament. It is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves. It is a gift. We receive gifts from God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Will you just sit and receive? Know that he's got you. It doesn't depend on your effort. If I just try harder, just be and allow him to be the one who is um, blessing you and, and receive those gifts and your existence and, 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 and all the beauty that it is to be uh, in the Christian life. Um, from the Red Letter Challenge book, again, the author says, some ways that he enjoys receiving from God. He says, when I spend time with Christ, I cannot wait to start doing what he says. The author says, when I come to church and worship Christ, it gives me the fuel I need to keep going in life. That's receiving. He says, when I pray, there's a peace that comes over me, and I can't even explain it. That's receiving. We don't generate righteousness in our lives. 
Righteousness is given to us by Christ because of, as I mentioned earlier, the mess we find ourselves in, the trouble, drowning in sin. Even the very best of us has no right to be with God, yet we receive from him salvation. We receive grace and love and forgiveness, and that's what Christ on the cross is about, that he went to our execution, the one that we owe God because of our sin, and he paid that death, debt, and now simply by believing that he is the Son of God and I'm a sinner, and he came to take away the sins of the world, and now I confess and repent of my sins and walk with him. Receive, sit and receive. The enemy has convinced us that we are all about doing to be a Christian. And we have talked about doing, right? But um, it really wasn't a list of doing. It really was a list of being. And I've used this illustration a couple times before. I hope you don't mind me using it again. And I really wrestled this week. Should I use the story again? It's been a couple years. But for me, it just really um, does the best job of talking about being with Christ. It's certainly an untrue story, but I think it does the job. It goes this way. Abraham Lincoln was walking past... um, Uh, a slave auction, this awful, evil, um, hateful place, and they're auctioning off human beings, and he goes up to the front, and he sees a a young woman, a slave being auctioned off, and he begins to bid, and he wins the auction, he buys her, and he's leading her away to a, a, a place away from this terrible place under a beautiful tree, and says, I have purchased you, and I now give you your freedom. Go and live a wonderful, beautiful, happy life. Go, you are free. And he turns around and starts to walk away, and he notices she's following him. And he turns around and says, no, you don't understand. I have purchased your freedom. Go. Live the life you want to live. You owe me nothing. Go and live your life. He turns around and starts to walk away, and she's still following him. And he turns around and he says, why are you still with me? And she says, you bought my freedom for me. Why would I want to be with anyone else? Friends, Christ purchased our freedom for us. Why would we give our allegiance, our passion, our priorities to anything else? Some next steps for you to think about. These are in your worship folder if these help you. As I mentioned earlier, every day this week, ask God to help you to treasure him. Just be honest with him. Lord, I struggle with this, money or desire or my agenda or the stuff I want. I treasure that stuff more than you. Would you help me to treasure you instead? Secondly, spend more time with God this week in prayer and his word and meditation. Again, this is not a list of things to do. This is a list of ways to be. Prayer, you're with him. In his word, you're with him. Thinking about him, you're with him. And finally, truly be joyful and decide to be happy. Happiness is a decision over his free gift, receiving of forgiveness, and that he includes you into his his righteous and holy family. Let's come together and pray. Lord, we must confess that there is a um, subtlety to um, understanding the difference between doing and being. And right now, I just want to be with you. I want to crawl up in your lap lap, and and be by you. And thank you that you're by us and you, you be with us through your word and through the sacraments. Uh, you be by us in our baptism. You will be with us in Holy Communion in a few minutes. And we're grateful for that. Help us to treasure you, and from that treasuring, it'll fuel this idea of really valuing being with you and making it a priority. We love you, Lord, because you first loved us. It's in Christ's precious, powerful, and everlasting name we pray, and together we all say, amen.